So Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 1 through 9. When you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. So it shall be when you are on the verge of battle that the priest shall approach and speak to the people. And he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid, and do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to save you. Then the officers shall speak to the people, saying, What man is there who has built a new house and has not dedicated it? Let him go and return to his house lest he die in the battle and another man dedicate it. Also, what man is there who has planted a vineyard and has not eaten of it? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man eat of it. And what man is there who is betrothed to a woman and has not married her? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man marry her. The officers shall speak further to the people and say, What man is there who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return to his house, lest the heart of his brethren faint like his heart. And so it shall be, when the officers have finished speaking to the people, that they shall make captains of the armies to lead the people. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is uh, timeless and that all the time and all the generations, all the nations that uh, live on this earth can benefit from it, if only they would heed it. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that you've granted this wisdom to mankind, and we pray that we and many and all eventually would avail themselves of it. We thank you now. Please apply this to our hearts and minds by the power of your Spirit. In Christ's name we pray and give you thanks. Amen. So we have here in the first few verses, the phrase, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, God is with you. God, who brought you up from the land of Egypt, do not be afraid, God goes with you to fight for you against your enemies. So in the first, they're very similar, and yet you can see that there's this progression. And so the first thing that is told them is, God has fought for you. And then... They're told, God will fight for you. So see, there's this progression. You're reminded of what he's done in the past, and you're affirmed that he will do it again in the presence, in the present. So now, what's interesting about this text, of course, what is most unusual in our time is verses 5, 6, and 7. And so let's kind of jump to that. Then the officers shall speak to the people, saying, What man is there who has built a new house and has not dedicated it? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man dedicate it. And so then we have these three presentations of reasons why, biblically, these men should be excused from duty. So the reasons are that he's built a new house and he's not dedicated it. He's planted a vineyard and he's not yet benefited from it. And he's betrothed to a woman, and he's not yet married her. Note what comes at the end of each of these verses. 
Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle, and another man dedicate it. Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle, and another man eat of it. Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle, and another man marry her, the woman to whom he was betrothed. It's interesting, isn't it, that the reasons given for why these men should be excused from battle is that some other man will benefit from their plans, will essentially usurp their plans. Who are these other men? Are they men that have stayed behind and might do this? Are they men that are now in their ranks who don't die? We don't know. But yet God honors these men and their plans, what they've done in establishing a home, establishing a vineyard, and wanting to betroth this wife. Note the order. The young man had built a home. He had obtained a livelihood, and then he was seeking a wife. You see men in each of those stages that are being excused from battle such that they don't die, they don't risk dying. Now, lest you think that's all that are to be excused from the potential to go out to battle, there is this next phrase. The officers shall speak further to the people and say, what man is there who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return to his house, lest the heart of his brethren faint like his heart. So now there's no other man in sight here, but there are the brethren, in other words, his comrades in arms. So you don't want someone who is fearful and cowardly and essentially not right with God at that moment going out onto the battlefield and then fleeing from the battle and being a bad example for the comrades that he's there fighting with. In 1974, I was turning 13 in the summer. I was always turning uh, the next year, and so I had my whole school year, I was one age. And so here I was, I was turning from 12 to 13 in that summer, and I was gonna be going into eighth grade at the end of summer. And at the end of summer, there was a famous song that came out. And some of you, it might ring a bell. The song was, The Night Chicago Died. I love that song, it just has such a good beat, it has a good story, it's like a ballad. And so I, I, I can remember memorizing that song. Now, what's interesting, and I just learned this, the same people, this uh, group from the United Kingdom by the name of Paper Lace, the same group that had that number one song in August in this country had also released a song about six months earlier in the UK, and it rocketed to number one. It came to the U.S., but it never made it really very high. It was on 96 on the Pop 100. But... Another group, a U.S.-based group, recorded it. Theirs rocketed to number one. So essentially, they were beat to the U.S. market. And so they didn't make that mistake with their second song. They released it in the U.S. market. The song, though, that they released and then didn't make popular, the other group did, was called Billy Don't Be a Hero. Now, maybe you know that song, too. That was the first song I memorized all the words for. I, it was the summer. I would go down to the lake all that summer. I would play wiffle ball and then go swim in the lake. It was just a wonderful summer. And yet I can remember riding my bicycle down to the lake and just humming and whistling that tune repeatedly 
it, it rocketed to number one in June. And so by the time I'm doing this, I'm, I'm learning and memorizing a song. And that song is very moving. I don't know if you remember it, but it's this ballad. And it's written by a UK group, but it's written about the American Civil War. And this young man, Billy, goes off to war and he's killed. Not only is he killed, he volunteers to be killed. And it's what his fiancée was warning him about. Billy, don't be a hero. She wants him to return to her. But so what's interesting is I can't read this text without that story, that song, Billy, don't be a hero, coming to mind. Because God gave opportunity to such young men to avoid such a thing. Now, Billy didn't take advantage of that. Many wouldn't. I mean, though you have the opportunity, I am sure that many young men in Israel chose not to avail themselves of this out of going to fight. But they had that opportunity. And then there was no compulsory service. Anybody could say, I'm fearful, I don't want to go fight, and they would be excused from it. Now, there are several points I want to make about this. First, this thing about being fearful and about affecting your uh, comrades. Uh, some of you, I, I love the Civil War, and this Billy Don't Be Here, I think, was about the Civil War. And we know the story of Stonewall Jackson, who was a Southern general. And at the first battle of Bull Run in July of, 19, of 1861, it was the first battle all these young men were in. And so the romantic notion of fighting disappeared quickly in all of the blood and pain and uh, just ferociousness of war. So the Confederate army started giving way, and at sometimes some of them went into full retreat. But one general pointed at Stonewall Jackson, who was just standing there on his horse like he always did, just, just high in the saddle, unafraid, uh, and his men rallied to him, the other Confederate uh, soldiers rallied to him, and the Confederates won the day. They drove the Union forces north into the city of Washington, D.C. Uh, Washington, D.C. was fearful they were going to be invaded right then. But he stands now as a symbol of courage in the face of ferocious battle. This last verse, verse 9 that I read, and so it shall be when the officers have finished speaking to the people that they shall make captains of the armies to lead the people. Every army needs leadership. And so after they've excused all these men who have reason to leave, biblical warrant to, to leave, then with all those that remain, they make captains of them. So there are several inferences, I think, and applications from this. This is a very rich text, but I want to make these brief first. All these soldiers were men. They were not women. They were not boys. They were men. Two, military service was not compulsory. I've mentioned that already. Three, there was a role for not only officers and captains, but also for this priest. And so you can see all three aspects of a civil society, the leadership of it present. You have the religious leader who encourages them at the beginning, who essentially is there to confirm that this is a righteous war. Then you have the officers that are structuring all of this. And the officers in this sense isn't military officers. These are officers of the community. Then you have the captains being appointed by these. So you see the military being under civilian authority as well. 
And yet you see there being a role for the priest in this uh, endeavor. So the military was subject to civilian leadership, and there were these uh, men appointed to lead in the military. So there wasn't a standing army. These men were being appointed to that right there as they're prepping for war. Now, I want to go back to verse 4, though, because that's really key to all of this. The Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. So if God isn't going to go with them, then they're not going for a good reason. We know that God wasn't always with the Israelite army because some of their battles were not righteous. There were points in time when Pastor Kaiser preached through the life of David where you can see that they were living very unrighteously. So the first thing is that we want our wars to be righteous. We don't want to sacrifice our young men to unrighteous causes. That's important. And secondly, though, in a righteous war, we know that that battle belongs to God. It's not ours. All of our battles on this earth are essentially God's battles, even our struggles against temptation. And so we come to the table, and we acknowledge that Christ has won our battles for us. We continue in the flesh on this earth, and yet we continue to fight these battles, but you can only win through the power of God. If you attempt to fight these battles in your own strength, you will fail. So when we come to the table, we're admitting that Christ won the battle for us, and he applies it to our lives through faith right now. And he accounts for all of our sins, all of our failures, and he keeps directing us down the road to the future to work for him, to serve him, despite our failures. He forgives us for those, so we have to look beyond those. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this uh, tremendous example of what it means to be men, of what it means to be a society uh, under authority and yet uh, religious in its nature. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that you go before us, that you fight our battles, and that you save us. We ask you now to be with us, to continue to save us, and take away all of our fear. In Christ's name we pray, amen.